0: My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard transmissions podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Hey, welcome back to Transmissions. Today on the show, we are joined by Sarah Martin of Belle and Sebastian. The legendary Scottish indie band has a new album out now on Matador, a bit of previous. Uh, They're one of those groups where they've put out so many records over the last couple decades. Uh, But, you know, I saw them live a few years ago, and I was just blown away by how much fun it is to interact with uh, the Belle and Sebastian group. They put on such a great show. And this new record really hits on a lot of the energy that I think they exhibit live. And it was uh, great fun getting the chance to chop it up with Sarah and talk about the new record and the band's history. Uh, that scene in High Fidelity, of course, which is how I got introduced to Bell and Sebastian, like plenty of others, I assume. Uh, we talked about the Bell and Sebastian cruise, the Bodie Weekender, uh, and... A lot more. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, I certainly had a great time hanging out with Sarah. Before we get into the talk though, I do want to encourage you to dig into the Transmissions archives. We've got all sorts of conversations for you there with people like Sonic Youth, Daniel Lenoir, Nico Case, Richard Thompson, Laraji, Jim Jarmish, Angel Bat Dawid, many, many more. Uh, Check out the archives. You can access them at Aquarium Trunker, and, of course, in whatever podcast app you use. And while you're navigating through your podcast app, please consider leaving a five-star rating or a review for our show. Uh, Be sure to click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you dig it, uh, you know, post something to your social media feed and let people know about the show we're having over here at Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. Um, I love the chance to speak with these artists and I love the chance to speak with you all at the top of the show and, uh, and I appreciate your support in helping us to continue doing it. Alright, all that out of the way, let's get into it. Here is Sarah Martin of Bell and Sebastian on Transmissions. I'm your host Jason P. Woodbury and I am so glad to be here with you. <laughs>
1: Be-
0: hey, transmissions listeners. Are you a musical artist or in a band and you're just not sure how to get started sharing your music with the world? I want to tell you about DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun. And uh, here's the important part, it makes it easy, with unlimited uploads and artists like yourself keeping 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on the Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. DistroKid has just launched a new iPhone app, which allows you to upload your tunes, earn royalties, Check your streaming stats and add lyrics, credits, and metadata. Everything you need to do to get your music out there and resonating with listeners around the world. Head over to distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash aquarium drunkard to get started now. Transmissions listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year's membership. That's distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash aquarium drunkard head over to DistroKid and get your sounds shared with your listeners. Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. It's a real uh, treat to have you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, I want to start with a really important question, Uh, probably Mm -hmm. the most important one that that we'll have for this interview. So, um... I was looking uh, at the Bell and Sebastian website, and I found your your, uh, your bio on it, your, your page that's dedicated to just information about you, and a sample quote from you is, uh, look what I got in New York, a Boba Fett smoking jacket, and so <laughs> I wondered if to start off, you could tell me a little bit more about this smoking jacket and what it looks like and how often you wear it and, and, and how you got it. What, tell me, tell me more about this, this piece of clothing.
1: It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. This this is, this is a figment of our, um, former manager's imagination, but, um, (laughs) yeah, the fake,
0: the fake, the fake news media strikes again. We're, we're, uh, I'm perpetuating misinformation here on, uh, uh, have you bought any interesting clothing in New York or not really? Um
1: I bought I I bought a nice cardigan once and then lost it.
0: Okay. <laughs> so it goes, so yeah. it goes. Well, congrats on this awesome new Balance Sebastian record. A bit of previous is is really great. I've been Thank you. I I, I I like a lot of Bell and Sebastian records. Um, This new one I've found especially enjoyable. It's quite lively and it's got a lot of, you know, I saw you, y'all play, I, I always use the term like a few years ago, but it was probably like six years ago or something in Arizona at the Orpheum. And I know I went into that show, um familiar with the records but i didn't expect the show to be quite as much of a blast as it was you're a very high energy live band and this new record really captures a lot of that that uh enthusiastic spirit i feel like
1: yeah i think i think it's it's turning out that there's quite a lot of quite a lot of songs on this new record that are fun to play in a sort of playing together you know we're, we're rehearsing for the shows at the moment and a lot of them are are sound you know they're, they're fun they're enjoyable to play together
0: <laughs> the uh the matador uh um notes for the record describe it as the the most hands-on since uh the boy with the arab strap um what, what 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 does hands-on mean in in this in this uh context
1: i mean it i guess it means that we we didn't really have very much help outside the band other than our our kind of the engineer who worked with us we did we had a couple of we had a producer who came up and record he sort of produced reclaim the night and world without you um and he so he was he was like a proper producer who was you know actually sure. telling telling folk you know hel- helping people refine parts and things but other than other than that really we kind of refined everything ourselves
0: yeah was this uh, was this i mean how did the lockdown affect bell and sebastian are are you all mostly located in the same place for the we, most part were you able to get together
1: we are we all live in glasgow mm-hmm. um which is not a very cute it's not a very large city really it's you know it's I think the, the furthest flung from each other could get to each other's houses in 20 minutes. But okay. actually when when lockdown happened, um when lockdown happened, we really we didn't see each other at all for really several months. Um I think I mean I I kind of saw after after a couple, after two or three months, I saw Stuart a bit um because he had a garden and a fire pit. So I would sometimes go and you know hang out. In, a, sure. in the garden with him and stuff but um or I would you know sit on Chris's front steps or something but um yeah it was uh we, we really did we we couldn't really do anything together but what we, what we could do was um wade through a, a year's worth of live recordings and actually put together a you know we put together that live album that we did and that was yeah. that was that was kind of good that we had a chance to do that because you never really you're you're always if you can keep moving forward that's always what you well it's what it's what we always are more inclined to do but because we couldn't move forward we were able to sort of clear the decks a little bit with that with that record
0: yeah yeah so then how did how did the transition from that into working on a bit of previous how did that how did that transition transition look
1: well that the transition from from finishing the live album we basically started to kind of have a think about how likely it was we were going to get to go to california which was the original plan and we kind of i think by it was we were we were first we were meant to go in march 2020 then it was put back to september and by kind of late july <laughs> we realistically we just thought it's not going to happen yeah um so we set about kind of thinking of what we what we would need to do to our own rehearsal space to make it to make it viable as a recording space um that wouldn't be too much of a compromise so we that's that's what we did
0: did you enjoy the process of being basically in your home home base working on a record? Did that feel kind of like a throwback to, I don't know, the early days or anything like that?
1: It was, I mean, I, I did quite enjoy it. It was, um, it's, diffi- it's difficult, to. It, it kind of went, it kept going on for months and months and months, which there were points where I, ju- I just wanted it to finish um, and I was you know i was thinking this would have been such a lot better if we'd made it to la and we'd done it in the space of 2 months and then we had an album and there uh, sure. because it's it's really you know when you, when you're at home um it's very difficult to work kind of proper long days the way you do when you're away because right. you know you partners and families really don't like it when they only, the only evidence that you exist is you coming in in the dead of night and making a mess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. When, 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 when you're off in some other space, you don't have to worry yeah, about that. You, you know? don't have to. Just...
1: Yeah. You, you make a mess, but they don't know about it. And uh-huh. they, you know, you kind of put, put structures in place if they need to be put in place for supporting partners and kids and things like that. And, and then you just get on the plane and you go and, that's what you're doing and you can just kind of work long, long hours and really concentrate. And that wasn't, that wasn't really the way of it because obviously it it wasn't just normal life. It was actual, you know, people had children that were meant to be like getting looked after and taught things and stuff. And (laughs) and so that was, that was really, for, for some folk, that was, that was like a real, a real challenge that meant that they they weren't able to be in the studio very much at all really so um it was yeah it was kind of it, it did drag on quite a long time
0: you know it doesn't uh, well the the good news from my end at least is that the record doesn't sound fussed over or belabored or like it took a long time it feels very very mm. uh like I said, lively and and pretty direct. But I do love that the opener, young and stupid. I mean, first off, incredible song, just really, really yeah. enjoyable and such a great start to the record. Um, but I found myself thinking, as you were talking about the sort of day-to-day responsibilities and mm-hmm. and uh, I think there's even a lyric in the in the song about, uh some some of you know it's, it's like you don't always want to assume that a song is autobiographical but it does seem like there's a little bit of autobiography in that one in terms of you know some have kids and some have dogs or, or you know the the lyric mm-hmm. but
1: mm.
0: but that's such a great song um and uh and i wonder you know what 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 kind of conversations do you typically have with with Stuart about songs before they uh, our work done do you do you guys talk I mean do you guys talk about themes do you talk about ideas or does it just does he just say no. like here here are some chords <laughs>
1: um often um I mean Stuart never really discusses what his songs are you know thematically mm-hmm. based on or and I I don't do that either and I mean I th- I think we I think we kind of I think me and Stuart are the the most likely to even attempt to make sense of of each other's songs, really. I I think some folk don't, you know, the lyrics just kind of pass quite a few folk by really, but. um, Sure. But yeah, we, we, we don't, we certainly don't kind of go, this is, you know, I I think, I think we, we probably have a, a sort of 50, 50 strike rate of knowing what, what each other is
0: talking yeah. about. Sure, sure. So for young and stupid, how did how did the lyrics to that one make you feel? I mean, you what, well now I'm now I'm nervous to cite anything else I read on that bio page. But it says that you were born in Blackburn, Lancashire. Yes. I don't, so that's not a lie. Unlike the Boba Fett thing. Okay, no, N- no fabrication there. The,
1: Bo- uh, the Boba Fett thing is it's it's not a mil- it's not a huge stretch from the sort of thing that. I mean, at one point we did. We as a band bought our friend Eugene a Boba Fett helmet, okay, to thank him for um, for roadieing for us.
0: Okay, um, so yeah, <laughs> you know. There so there so there are, there is some Boba Fett related ephemera in the band's collective not, history. not
1: anymore. Well, yeah, yeah. We 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 bought what we bought a helmet for our friend
0: Eugenius. Okay. <laughs> um but but as far as as you grown up in in Blackburn, did you uh, when, when when how old were you when you moved to to Glasgow?
1: I was 18.
0: Oh, you were 18. So you grew yeah. up you grew up in Blackburn. What was your what was your your you know uh young and stupid youth like in in Blackburn? what kind of trouble did you get up to well in actually your I, I
1: think I think the sort of young and stupid era that Stuart's referring to is actually a little older than uh, okay. you know it's kind of young it's kind of young adult I think it's when you know it's that tantalizing age where um you know a few of my friends have kids of that sort of age at the moment, you know like. Late teens, early early to mid twenties, where you know technically you're an adult, um, yeah, but yeah. but you you know you have you ha- you have no responsibility and no need to really consider the consequences of things, and so you, <sighs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, um, it's you know, beautiful. That, that's
1: it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's absolute. That's that's what I think the young and stupid thing is about, and um, yeah, yeah well, that's that's great. so well um, so my, my that, that era for me was was very much in glasgow
0: so so yeah, what what brought you out there? Uh, what what drew you to to the to the to the city?
1: And um, i I just came up to go to university,
0: okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. um the the bio also cites that you're a big teenage fan club fan and that 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 you were you were lured over by their music, whether or not that's accurate. I do think it's great that you all share a member with Teenage Fan Club now in, in, yeah. in Dave, which and is Dave. awesome. Yeah. yeah. But but so how old were you when you joined Bell and Sebastian?
1: I was twenty-two.
0: Okay. So you had only been in, in town for a few years. What were your yeah. impression what were your impressions of Bell and Sebastian like before you joined? Did you have any?
1: Um, well the band was only the band was kind of only formed a few weeks before I joined, really. So
0: Oh um, wow! Yeah, so it was a real quick succession.
1: It was really quick. Yeah, I mean, I, the only reason I didn't join right at the start was because I had finals for college. So
0: so, that's, I, I, so so was so Tiger's Milk was recorded around the time that you were uh, finishing finishing school. Yeah. Right. So so I I always look. It's it's so it's so uh, strange and interesting to me. The, I mean that record and if you're feeling sinister, I mean, were released the same year. I mean, just in short mm-hmm. succession and recorded in very short succession, right yeah. so what was so so what was what was it like uh, when when you when you properly joined, was it like a a, a rush to get if you're feeling sinister recorded or? were those songs already and i mean did you have to cram you know did you have to learn a bunch of songs or or anything like that or were you basically ready to just dive in because you would you were familiar with all of it
1: they i mean they the the songs were already the the songs were already there i think and yeah um and but we were we were all kind of learning them together i mean at at the big at the beginning you know at the point where i joined the band it was still it wasn't didn't really feel like a band it felt like a project and an assortment of people who had sort of come together around it but it it really it's yeah it's funny it kind of it me and Stuart were in we were in Europe a few weeks ago on a little press trip and at one point I described the band as a a project that got out of hand and he was (laughs) like he was like that's that's it, basically you know it it was for you know for a couple of folk that were in the band early on they they didn't really want to be in the band. they were happy to kind of do the prod do the first couple of album projects, but they really didn't want any greater
0: commitment than that um <laughs> which is sure, yeah did you i mean did you feel like i mean right away were you kind of like i mean what was the sense that you all had what was it like when it started to feel less like a like a project a little like one off or two off or three off and start to feel like oh wow we're we're a, we're a proper you know rock and roll band or or however you want to would want to put it i mean it.
1: that i guess that didn't really come until it was really kind of 2001 2002 yeah by the time that moment really came and that was that was a bit of a watershed moment because we'd up to that point everything was you know it was a bit like only ever you know like going out with somebody but only ever planning for the next holiday or something you know it was just like <laughs> sure. never never making plans for like a proper future just kind of it'd be like well we're gonna do three gigs um, the, in this year or something, and and we're going to do three gigs in a little row, and then you just never know whether the band would even survive beyond that. Um, and it was two thousand and one when we, our manager who made up the Boba Fett smoking jacket concept, um, <laughs> he um, he kind of I think he just said, you know, this is this is never going to get easier unless you hire a professional crew. And to get a professional crew, you're gonna to need to do more gigs. And but you know, that will be you'll get better, it'll be more fun. Um and um, you know, just do do more, but have people that actually know what they're doing setting up the gigs rather than us trying to do it all the time. And suddenly doing gigs didn't feel as though it was always taking us to the brink of splitting up,
0: which yeah. it kind of had, <laughs>
1: which it kind of had done a lot before that
0: sure sure well to go back like a little bit to the to the to the very sort of like formation of your your involvement in the band really um what 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 did you i mean do you remember what you liked about about stewart's songs early on and 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 what it was that sort of made you want to be a part of the project
1: it was i mean it it was all about the songs definitely um i was sharing an apartment with a a friend who had, you know, he he'd been trying to get a band together and I was doing what whatever I could to avoid becoming involved. And then one day I came <laughs> home from I came home from university and Stuart was in my kitchen with with my flatmate. And I think Stuart was playing some songs for Jason and um and then you know he left soon after, and Jason was saying, Oh, he's he's a really great songwriter. Um, you know, you should join his band. Here's his tape, and so I I put the tape on and just loved it. You know, straight away. I think it it was it, there was the state I'm in. There was yeah. dog on wheels, string bean, Jean, and beautiful. I think on on one tape, and uh, that was a that was a good that you know it was it was pretty great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're feeling sinister, was the first Bell and Sebastian record that I that I got, and I I got it many years. At, well, not many years, you know. However, six seven years after it had come out, so. Um, but it was absolutely and remains like one of one of my favorite records. Um, it's just like the spirit and the, the wistfulness and the strength of those melodies is mind blowing to me, you know? And it's funny that obviously as the band has gone on for decades, you know, the sound is broadened and there's more happening and there's more, you know, dance, dance rhythms and, and, you know, and kind of big, big moments. But the, 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 uh, the, 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 quality of the melodies carries through like all the Mm -hmm. way you know these just these beautiful melodies that kind of get permanently lodged in your head Mm -hmm. and so it's it's so cool to hear that all of that was pretty much there from from the start from the start um there are uh you always have some great great leads on on the records and on this new one um reclaim the night which you brought up that's such a that's such a fun that's a, such a fun jam thanks what was the uh, i i almost i I was listening to it and I was like what does this remind me of and and there are it's it's funny because I hear a little bit of an ELO thing happening maybe uh really or, yeah interesting or, or, but maybe I'm just thinking like Olivia Newton-John but then I also could sort of hear like Madonna doing it or something. Like it's just like it's like a great pop song. Uh, what was the, what was the, what was the the story with that one? Where did that, where did that one come from?
1: Um, I mean, it kind of came from. It came from me buying us one of those critter and guitar synth things. That are, mm. I, have you seen them? They're really cute. And, yes. Um, yeah. They're, yeah. They're simple. You know, they're they're not they're not adorned. They don't have that many knobs,
0: and. <laughs> um,
1: and they, you know, they they're kind of they're fun to they're fun to play and fun to program and fully analog. And um, so I bought one of these pocket pianos, and you know I was just sitting at my desk, you know, it's got a little speaker in it even. I you know it wasn't plugged into any recording stuff, and I was I was just kind of working through the through the kind of sounds that it had, and then you know I got that. Uh, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I was just you kind know, I was just kind of pressing the button, I was like, oh, that's quite good. And then I, I just kind of sang the, sang the chorus along with that. And I was like, okay, right, this feels like quite a quite a good tune. And um and I kind of did it as an initially I did it as an instrumental um in a in quite a different sequence. Um, and It was, it was enjoyable to do that, but I always knew I wanted, I always knew I wanted to kind of do it as a song as well. Um, so it, it's kind of, yeah.
0: How do you, how do you keep track of your, do you record a lot on your own or do you have iPhone? Is, is your iPhone voice memos full of ideas? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's
1: it. Yeah. I mean, but it's funny back in, back in the old days, I used to kind of follow, I used to kind of follow Stuart's. He had a he had quite a quite an, a neat notation for for putting down putting down a tune that popped into his head. But now that you know now that we've got our phones, it's just, you know, all you you, have walk, to do it. you all you have, yeah. I mean driving along, walking around, whatever. You're just, you know, something pops into your head, it's on your phone. At some point you have to do a bit of work and actually turn these like raw ideas into something that hangs together properly but you know my phone is like a little nebula of galaxies or something it just (laughs) keeps on keeps on churning out you know there's there's always stuff there for me to for me to go through
0: yeah do you ever have you ever have you ever run out of storage space on your phone because you have too many
1: no but that's that's one of the I always go for the kind of highest capacity because I know I would.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's so, that's so cool. Uh, You, you mentioned Stewart's notation system. What was that notation system like? Did he have, I mean, was it just, uh,
1: it was, it was, I mean, it was kind of, instead of doing a, doing a five bar stave, it was, he he would just write, you know, he would kind of write out the, the rhythm in note in, in musical notation, but he would, kind of write the name of the note underneath it rather than have it going up and down and stuff Mm. um and i so i used to kind of i used to do that but but you know voice notes is much more convenient
0: well yeah it's and it's and it's much more immediate for sure um yeah the only trouble is when you have to go back and figure out what you were doing and and yeah (laughs) totally do you do you typically come up with like melodies and 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 like kind of, uh, you know, for like musical phrases and then figure out lyrics or uh, or does it sometimes work the other way?
1: It's it's almost always usually the kind of germ of any idea. It, it, it's the two come pretty much simultaneously.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, another another song that I I really really like on the record, and as of the time of this this recording, uh, it's not out yet. Uh, it's the final song on the record. Uh, Working boy That's in New York. That's my favorite. Yeah. Oh my god! What a I song! Know. What, what a song! <laughs> it's I um a thing will happen to me, and I want I'm I wonder if this happens to you too, where I'll hear a song I like and I'll um. I'll listen to it once and I'll be like, wow, I really like that song. And then I'll listen to it again, like right away. And, and, and then before I know it, I've listened to it like six times in a row. And I, that's, that's mm. what happened to me with that one. First off the groove is really really great and the sound mm. of the recording is really really cool there's a cool mm. scratchiness to it it almost feel i mean it, maybe it is a sample of some kind you know but um
1: it's not it's no? um it's but but the sound of it and the groove is very very much owed to Sean Everett who is the producer that we were meant to have made the record with in Los Angeles and okay we kind we kind of sent him that and Sea of Sorrow and a couple of other things to mix and um and th- those two were the those Sea of Sorrow he'd always had a an affinity with. Sure. Um and you know he reimagined that in such a, an extraordinary way and then working boy in New York City was much cl- was much closer to what we'd what we'd come up with ourselves. You know, it didn't it didn't take a, a mad left turn or anything but it but the the sound of it is is all and the and the sort of the skip the skip in the groove yeah the the feel of the drums and everything was him well
0: well, before I talk more about what I love about it what what makes it what makes it your favorite song on the record
1: um I mean I love I I love playing flute and I get to play flute a lot on it the flute is so um, good uh and it's it, it, the thing is, it, it kind of seems to me as though it's, it's like a, it feels like sort of the zenith of what Stuart's, you know, the best of Stuart, really. It it feels as though it's very much in a tradition of his songwriting, but it's just better than all the, you know, all the other songs that are about some, you know, some young person finding them finding themselves and coming, you know, learning to love themselves somehow (laughs) you know it's it's kind of it's got what i think a lot of a lot of people have recognized that as a theme in Stuart's writing since since the very beginning really oh yeah i just i I just and i and it's it's totally in that vein but i just think it's better than any of the
0: others does that to me it seems like a song that um um we we talked about young and stupid to me it seems like a song that like a younger person couldn't have written you know like it, like it's like not not the music or, or not the melody or anything like that mm. but the the, the sense of, of of like acceptance and 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 the sort of um there's like a like a, a really deep and powerful empathy in so much of bell and yeah. sebastian's music right so so that is again along with those great melodies something that carries all the way through but but like you said it does feel a little bit like a zenith right I mean there's this like um I've always I've always been drawn to the spirituality of Be- of Bell and Sebastian you know when I first got if you're feeling sinister mm-hmm. I was a um I was like a a a church going young man you know who who was very very uh uh, conflicted and felt guilty about all sorts of stuff right you know um and i felt like listening to if you're feeling sinister uh, it to me it felt like uh, just this like world opening up of like you can you can you can write about human complications and and you can write about uh wh- wh- whatever What might have been considered a deviant idea you know at the time Mm -hmm. to me right you can you can explore all of this and 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 there's a sort of like I, i hope i don't sound too like off the path or whatever here but like kind of like a uh like a holiness in uh in in complication human just human complication right so so uh um so that song you know working boy in new york city it's just got this like yeah, it's just it's beautiful. It's such a sweet yeah. song. It's so kind and it's so funny and in a good like yeah. in in such a good way, right? And I love the wide is the gate. You know the yeah. the, wor- the word wide in in that chorus is used very interestingly, right? Because it's like you don't the, the way it sort of stretches out. It almost like feels like a musical uh like nod to the to the word itself, right? He like kind mm. of widens that that phrase. Anyway, mm. what a jam. Yeah. It's a good one, I bet that one have you guys worked that one out live yet,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's great. that's great. Yeah. is that spiritual thing that sort of spiritual undercurrent um is that something that you that you and Stuart ever talk about? Do you ever talk about the sort of like theological stuff? Obviously, you know he did those those awesome meditation sessions and stuff where um, I think a lot of people found that very helpful in 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 a time where i mean still it's still a very difficult time in the world Mm -hmm. you know um is that is that a part of your friendship is that something you you two connect on i mean
1: it's funny I, i i think we there was a point where he he was aware that i was having a hard time a few years ago and he was he said you know i've started going to these buddhist class you know meditation classes it might help you and I went along and it absolutely didn't help me no <laughs> it, it just it just made me and it made me kind of annoyed
0: um mm, that's interesting yeah yeah it was
1: it was not it was not for me but it really it's it's for him you know it's it's absolutely um pivotal to his to his you know day and week and everything and he I you know I just you know I, I went along a few times and you know it's it's kind of it was interesting and, and and actually you know a couple of the a couple of the people who taught the classes were really really amazing and I think if they'd you know I I was more I was more sort of drawn to personalities within it um, whereas Stuart's you know drawn to the more fundamental actual teachings of it whereas I was like no, no, this is, this is, you know, nobody really thinks that that's insane. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I was, I was, you know, I'm a bit of a doubting Thomas, I guess.
0: Oh, that's great though. I mean, there's a, re- you gotta have a doubting Thomas in, in, in the group, right? Um, did you, I mean, did you grow, did you grow up with any sort of religious, uh, baggage more or less?
1: I did. I mean, my my dad's dad was actually a vicar um okay <laughs> and my um you know my my parents are both churchgoers and i i went i went to church as a kid but kind of you know once i once i had any choice in the matter i didn't and and the, and then thing i i became a vegetarian mm. and found that the whole found that the whole notion of the body and blood of Christ was
0: not gross. for me, <laughs> yeah. kind
1: of gross, um, <laughs> not for me. And and also th- another thing that kind of made, it's just seemed all, you know, I, I was young. I was like 15, 14, 15 or something, but um, I couldn't get past, ha- having watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and that bit with the, you know, the the heart getting pulled out of the guy's chest and everything and i was just like that's what it you know when when it comes down to it that's kind of what we're you know the all this kind of ridiculous over-the-top ceremony stuff that's you know if this was in a you know if this is in a film and i and you know i just don't buy it and sure sure so i i kind of i was i was just sort of not having it anymore after that but i'm not i mean i'm 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 not I'm not kind of a rabid atheist or anything I I just don't you know I
0: just don't really I don't go to church yeah
1: reg, you know as a as a form of worship or anything
0: yeah I just I I I mean uh, and that I get it entirely you know I just there's something so fun and interesting to me about the idea of there being. Being a spiritual core to Bell and Sebastian, which Mm -hmm. I think is pretty undeniable. I mean that that's something that comes across through Mm -hmm. so many of the songs. But then also, yeah, absolutely. This idea that there's also just a uh, you're a dance band too. You're a fun pop group. You're you're all this. Well, well,
1: also, also, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of as much drawn to notions of like panpsychism or something you know where like there's there's notions that like everything is conscious you know mountains are conscious and all that and i'm i'm as i'm i'm as interested in that sort of thing as as i am in like organized spiritual things really
0: yeah yeah i mean i love the idea of everything i mean and that's something i'm also very very drawn to that notion that like consciousness is something that is an inherent quality, right, to mm-hmm. the universe. Yeah. And I never really feel it so much as when I'm listening to music, you know, because mm-hmm. it feels like, I mean, I don't know, I don't wanna say there's a consciousness to your flute line in that song, but maybe there is, right? Because it feels like its own living little thing or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Something, you know, like a lot of uh, particularly uh, young Americans of, of my age, well, I'm not that young, but I was when I heard uh, <laughs> when I heard Bell and Sebastian in High Fidelity, uh, I, which is uh, something I, I'm, I'm curious. As somebody who was introduced to the band by uh, that 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 movie, um, what changed? Did anything change for Bell and Sebastian after that drop? After that that name drop in in the John Cusack movie? Do you remember? Do you remember hearing I don't anything think about so. it? No,
1: I don't think so. Really, no. <laughs> it was, I mean, we, it was well, it was well done. Definitely. It was, it was well, it was well executed, but um, no, it didn't, it didn't kind of feel as though it changed anything really.
0: It wasn't like this moment where all of a sudden you were like, oh my gosh, there's all these new people that are checking us out because they made a, a, a little joke about our band in this, in this, this American. I don't,
1: I don't think so. I think that we had been, we'd been kind of popping up in, you know I, th- I think it's it's one of the things that is quite nice when you become a sort of cultural shorthand for something and and you you know i mean it's it can be annoying too but well you know, yeah i'm
0: sure the sad i'm sure the sad bastard music tag got annoying at some point or oh or, no
1: i mean we, we 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 honestly like we just thought that was funny really yeah
0: sure 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 um that that I mean, that said, there, I mean, there certainly is some I, it's 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 not entirely off base, right? I mean, there is some sadness, but um one of the great things about the records is the way they've, you know, gone and explored all sorts of other emotional territory as as well. I just I wondered, you know, there was that, and then, And then, of course, the storytelling film, which was another movie that I mean, I haven't revisited that one in a really long time, but I I did watch that back then uh, because of Belle and Sebastian, Mm. because of the soundtrack. And so for a minute there, it just felt like, you know, in terms of movies, yeah, you all had a had a real had a real, you know, a, a moment in the early 2000s of breaking through via cinematic little little reference points, which is a pretty interesting thing. Mm. you also and this is something that i thought was really might be might be fun to talk about was that in 2019 you did the most pre-pandemic-y thing that you could do right (laughs) which is hosting a cruise um and the 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 Bodie weekender thing which was it was a i guess if i have my notes right it was three a three thousand capacity four-day festival on a on a mediterranean cruise liner Mm-hmm. i wonder how did that how did the idea come up uh how was it suggested
1: the idea we we've been trying to get this to happen since the 90s um but not on a cruise ship we were planning to do it on a ferry um okay yeah uh go, go, going around the uk rather than the med and Stuart's dad was um was a sailor he was a he was a ship's engineer and so he kind of told us all the all the deep water ports that we could sort of keep a big keep a big boat in and do do gigs on the boat, and have the audience kind of come on to the boat and watch us play, and then they would get turfed off at the end of the night, and we would <laughs> sail on to the next place. And it seemed, you know, it seemed as though it very nearly happened, and then all of a sudden it didn't happen in the nineties. Hmm. Um, and this was this was just a, I mean, really, when we when we kind of signed up with our our current manager um a few years ago one of you know he was like so what you know what can i what can i do for you what what do you want to make happen that you haven't been able to make happen on your own and you know this was this was on the list of things and um and you know a couple of years later basically one of his assistants just pretty much out of the blue said so uh i've got a cruise ship um it's yours if you want it this particular week i need to know tomorrow and we you know we kind of didn't really have much time to think about it but we, we were like well obviously yes that sounds that sounds good
0: yeah i mean so had it it at that exact moment of having to make the decision pretty quickly it sounds like had you even connected the dots that it would have that it would line up with the 20th anniversary of the 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 not, no not really no yeah yeah no. well that's interesting uh coincidence and and uh, uh what was so i'm trying to imagine what it would have been like to watch like yola tango or uh, camera obscura or yourself you know from like a jacuzzi or, or whatever <laughs> it,
1: that wasn't really possible actually
0: you i wouldn't have been able to been okay Okay. No, I would have had no, to the, depart the, whole, the jacuzzi. <laughs> the,
1: the the well the, the pool deck kind of got boarded over mm, um, mm. to to make this to make the the sort of main stage area. So yeah, there was you kind of had to you know it was it was kind of like a, a regular outdoor gig, but just moving slowly.
0: <laughs> did you enjoy it overall?
1: I did. Yeah. Um, it was it it was surprisingly. Um, surprisingly kind of special actually i would i would say to um we had we had a lot of friends from glasgow who came yeah um you know hun- literally hundreds so that actually brought a really amazing spirit you know they they brought an amazing spirit with them because they they knew us and so i think you know on, on the first afternoon when we were on the on the ship and, um, you know, you, the, you could see that people were sort of if they passed you in a corridor on the boat, they would sometimes kind of look the other way, you know, look a bit embarrassed and, you know, mutter to their friends "Oh, that such and such from such and such band. And then, you know, by the following afternoon, because there were literally hundreds of people that that we we know yeah. and have done for years. And it just it just felt like a village in the end, and everybody was just smiling at everybody and saying hi to everybody, and it was it was just
0: lovely. I can think that you know, for a lot of bands, the idea of being uh, trapped with their fans at sea for any amount of time would fill them with dread. But maybe it's not quite so maybe it's not quite so dire with the Bell and Sebastian crowd. No,
1: I don't think it is, <laughs> and um, and we you know we. We all had our we had our own rooms you know we all had a door we could <laughs> shut and and find you know find somewhere quiet when we when we wanted to just kind of shut the world out world out so that was good
0: what what was your favorite uh what was your favorite musical performance uh that you weren't involved in did you have any did you have any favorites any sets that really blew you away
1: i did enjoy i i did enjoy yola tango um yeah. and i also i really enjoyed um the
0: buzzcocks yeah 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 that's incredible i bet that was i mean kind of were you a were you a buzzcocks fan as a kid as a younger person too yeah yeah that's awesome that's awesome well yeah well and and going back and looking at the the the, um am i saying boley weekender yeah that's the only way Mm. that that's the only way that the pun would work if if uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) um I was looking at the lineup for, for that first one, the 1990, 90, 1999 mm-hmm. edition, and mm-hmm. um, I found myself really longing for a time machine and to be able to go back and see Broadcast and The Flaming mm-hmm. Lips and, and Mercury Rev. Um you had i mean the band had just been kind of going for for just a little a little while at the time of of that festival that mm. even predates you saying that you were all taking the band seriously as a as a thing what was the impetus for that that festival
1: that was um i think that that was a thing that um really just i think it came from the notion that festivals didn't really appeal very much you know the idea of camping and stuff didn't really appeal but the idea of having a having a fridge and a shower sure <laughs> seemed, you know even even though the accommodation could you know in some cases was pretty squalid and mm. um, you know it was it was, it was not exactly kind of high-end chalets and things but it was you know a, sh- a fridge is a fridge and a shower is a shower and a toilet's <laughs> a toilet you know these these things these things improve you know it's much better than waiting for latrines in a queue in the rain isn't it uh and uh yes yeah,
0: certainly certainly <laughs> do you i mean music festivals I, it's hard to say right now and in, in where we're where we're at in terms of you know public health and safety like it's mm. it's kind of hard to say like what the future of music festivals looks like but as as someone who's been involved in hosting gatherings like that i mean do you get the sense that maybe things will be a little bit smaller in scale moving forward or, or what what do you hope happens i mean our music music festivals can be so difficult because it's fun and it's great to see lots of artists you know but then there's all these drawbacks to it as well, you know, I find where you don't get a sense a sense of really getting to dig in deep with any one group or or mm. you know, but what do, what do you think what do you think the future of festivals looks like? At least or if you or if you could decide what it looks like, what what might the case be?
1: I mean, to be fair, festivals are not really for me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm the, the point where I would have gone to festivals is probably like more than 30 years ago
0: sure so uh um
1: you know if i didn't have to i probably wouldn't these days i'm i'm much more likely to kind of yeah yeah it's not it's not really for me i don't think
0: yeah yeah Um,
1: because i'm not i'm not into the i'm not even into the kind of i i I mean i I can enjoy i can enjoy going to something but yeah it's not really it's not really for people like (laughs) me i don't
0: yeah What's what's your ideal live music situation?
1: I mean, just a just a gig. I mean, actually, actually, you know, there is there is a festival that I that is a beautiful, beautiful thing um, that kind of blew my mind a few years ago. It's in the, in the north of Portugal, and I think it's called Parades de Cura, mm. and it's you know it's on a river, um, just quite a small river. And it's it's kind of what you know. I think when I was a teenager and I imagined what a, what a music festival must be like, this is kind of what I pictured. You know, nobody was nobody was like messed up on drink. Sure, there probably was quite a lot of drugs being consumed. Um, you know, there were there were no you know the toilets didn't have queues because people weren't drinking heavily sure um everybody was you know all all day folk were kind of you know floating around on inflatables in the river um and swinging on rope swings and sitting around in bikinis and swimming suits and um and there was like a sound system with like you know not not overwhelmingly heavy reggae kind of just just nice kind of dub dubby stuff and it yeah. just it honestly it just felt like the greatest scene to have stumbled into ever um and some you know some friends of mine had come for that and so I, I went early in the day to meet to meet them and it was just the most astonishingly lovely place to hang out for the day and everybody was in good spirits and you know just in and out of the river there was kind of you know the music the sort of performances didn't even start until into the evening so it was just it was just like a, a hang by a river um and then and then like the the actual stages were you know a bit a bit you know through it through a gate and up the hill a little bit and it but it was lovely and I th- it was really cheap um you know I'd sort of said could I get my friends on the guest list and there w- there was some confusion over like why this would be necessary it turned out it was only like 30 euros for the weekend or something
0: oh yeah which is
1: which is amazing you know it's amazing
0: yeah well that sounds incredibly lovely and now I. Do, it was
1: incredible now lovely. i do
0: want to go to that festival um yeah and 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 uh and i don't know if if you all ever decide to do another cruise um you know i, I could definitely see myself uh mm-hmm. doing that as well so uh well well congrats on, on this great new record and I, I'm excited um to see the live uh takes on these songs and uh and I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out and chat with me about oh, all this stuff. It's been really great having having you on and, and getting to to speak with you about this stuff.
1: Thanks very much for having me. <laughs>
0: yelling in my sleep I was crying feeling weak do we have to feel this way
1: it wasn't like this yesterday
0: Everything is I'm Jason P. Woodbury I write host and produce transmissions our audio is edited by Andrew Horton and our show is executive produced by Justin Gage Aquarium Drunkard's founder we are a part of the talk house podcast network Uh, you can support the show of course by uh, subscribing sharing it uh, leaving a rating or a review and uh, and that all helps new people find the show if you want to take your support even further and i hope you do you can head over to patreon and check out what aquarium drunkard's doing there we put up bonus audio radio free aquarium drunkard stuff uh, uh, mixtapes uh, radio stuff, so check it out. Uh, support Aquarium Drunkard, help us keep making this independent project and get some cool stuff in the process. Be sure to tune into the Aquarium Drunkard Show hosted by Justin Cage every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. PST on Sirius XMU. We'll be back next Wednesday with another all new episode. I will be joined by Jeff Cloud, a former member of one of my all time favorite bands, the incredible Starflyer 59 and he's the head of the California indie label Velvet Bloom Music. We had a great conversation and I can't wait to share that one with you. I'll be well until then. This transmission is concluded. In the mind, you were young and stupid. warm at night. All are young and stupid makes us feel delight. We were young and stupid. Makes you feel regret When you're young and stupid